Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Josh, welcome to War Room Huddle. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> We're so psyched that you guys made the trip from Salina to Birmingham to come and spend the day with us and talk about succession planning yeah. and building your practice for the future and marketing and branding and all that cool stuff. It's yeah. great to have you all this here. This has been a very exciting trip, so very fun. Well, and I hope you're going to... Um, be true to your word and come spend more time with us because yeah. we would love that. Uh, if you guys will have us, we'll be here and we'll convince Lance that we need to be here. I love more, it. So. Come on. <clears throat> come on. <throat> We're going to jump right into it because you have a really interesting um, background. You didn't start out as a financial advisor. You actually started out in the ministry. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about your career pre-joining the Billings Group, pre-joining Lance and, and you know, just Fill us in. Yeah. Um, I can get real vulnerable with you here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I dropped out of high school when I was 16, and I met this youth pastor, and I um, he was really just a – he had just come from Bible college, mm-hmm. and so he was just a really neat guy, and I ended up hanging out with him for like three months in his office, and – um, trying every, to find your every, way. Yeah, every day I'd just go up to the church and I'd hang out with him and he would always be pulling books off the shelf and we'd be talking about theology, philosophy. And um, at 16, I thought it was cool. And one day he looked at me and he's like, you're going to be dumb your whole life if you don't go back to school. So I went back, I got to graduate with my class. And um, when I graduated high school, I didn't know what to do, but I figured, well, I'll just go be a youth pastor because he influenced me. And um, so I moved to Colorado Springs and uh went to a Bible college that didn't, I didn't have to have a, an ACT to get uh-huh. in, but it was just kind of, again, what I felt like it was God's uh, movement and hand on all of it. That was the year that they became accredited by the Higher Learning Commission, mm-hmm. and all of my professors had been, um, <clears throat> uh, they'd all went to very uh, prestigious schools like Berkeley and uh, John Hopkins, and so they were there because they wanted to teach, and so they became my family, mm-hmm. and um so fast forward um, down the road, I uh, just thought I was going to do ministry or even... So you graduated with a degree in what? Pastoral ministries. Okay. Emphasis on Bible and theology, and um, it took a little bit longer to do that. But along the way, that same youth pastor, years later, introduced me to Lance's daughter and Andrea. So we met and got engaged and married pretty fast, started having kids, and <clears throat> I was working like three different jobs, and um, I knew what Lance... One of them is a minister. Uh, I was doing that kind of, actually, that'd be, I guess, the fourth job, because that okay. was more of not a paying thing, uh-huh. um, but I just remember calling Lance uh, when I was 23, 22, and I, I said, you know, I, I want to learn to do what you do, 
and um, I'm 36 now, so he said move to Salina and find out. So moved to Salina, started did the Series Seven, and, and started just down the road of learning swimming in that ocean as mm-hmm. well. And so um, along the way, um, so married three kids and working with Lance now, going on about 12 years full time, and um, yeah, that's been the journey. And, and then I did a master's in theology as well, so I just graduated with that in May. Uh, so the, the philosophy theology thing is still a passion. Uh, I've been pastoring a church bivocationally for basically six, six years. And so that's the other side of my mind in life is, is the ministry on, on top of the Billings Group. So, yeah. One of the things I love about financial advisors is I feel like there's such a calling to the business that there is this opportunity. You know, you talk to really, you talk to one financial advisor, you talk to most of them, they will say, you know, what do I love most about the business? Helping my clients. Why did mm-hmm. I get into the business? Because it was an opportunity to to make an impact on, on someone's life. You've obviously been called from a very young age about the importance of communication, the importance of being present with, you know, with someone. Those are all skills that serve you well as an advisor. How do you, though, tact between the two? How do you be really strategic and tactical as an advisor and yet be able to be in that philosophical space as a minister? Yeah. I So in one of my con, uh, uh, continuing ed uh, things for one of the designations, I, I was reading, it was actually because I could use the CFP um, continuing ed curriculum as my... Uh, course coursework. So I was reading through that, and there was this term in there. Um, it was, ar- and I don't even know if I'm using it in the right context, but it was armed neutrality, um, having the ability to be neutral, but at the same time having something ready to offer. Um, pastoral ministries. It's interesting because I was trained, especially in the undergrad, to be pastoral, which um, it, 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 it crosses like every major life event, right, from getting married to um, having kids, uh, baptism or a person finding that part of the journey of their faith, uh, story it's you're, you're a person that's along every major life event. And then of course, death, which is, um, very, um, it, it, it matches with the financial planning, uh, in that way that, uh, money crosses every one of those major life events. Mm-hmm. But what I discovered through all the the training to be a pastor was just caring about people and, and trying to add value to them, which is a um, phrase from John Maxwell, um, leadership author, and who also all of his education was was in um, pastoral ministries as well. But adding value and trying to grow people, trying to offer them seeds to help them get to their goals. And of course, you just place it in the context of finance and, um, you know, you're at every major moment of their life. You know, you have the ability to, oftentimes as a financial planner, we're the first that are called when a death occurs, you know, because they really do feel that close to us. And so um, there's just an, a huge overlap. I'm on the backup list uh, for one of the local mortuaries that if they don't have a pastor, they call me. And um, so it's Trying to, I, I balance both of them. I did, I did a funeral on my lunch break one day. I just went and did it because they didn't have anybody and they needed it. And so, just to go and serve in that way, and then um, 
I, I guess I also wanted to speak to the fact that Lance has just been so supportive of it. Everything yeah. from being able to do seminary while still knowing that I would uh, attend to the client's needs and, and be there every day. And so it's uh, it's like two oceans I'm swimming in. And, uh, and I, I do love it. I, I talk every Sunday. Um, I'd say preach, but it's more like teaching because I think it's a little bit more helpful. But um, that armed neutrality, that a lot of times I have my opinions about things, but at the same time still trying to be neutral to see how it's going to add value and, and be an offer to help a person wherever they're at, whether that's in a faith sense. Um, you know, I've, like I said, I've got my toolkit and the vocabulary that I can, that's helped me philosophically, theologically, but at the same time caring about the person as a person more so than in a, a manipulative agenda on my part. And I think that's the case with planning because financial planning, there's so much that is detailed to a client's story that Mm -hmm. you have to be able to have compassion. You have to be able to listen to them. You have to be, um, ready to hear what they want and then see how you're going to, um, help them achieve that timeline goal. So that's, I don't know if that's, there's, there's just a lot, there's just a lot of overlap there. Um, there's a, the the economic term human capital. Yeah. Um, One of my favorites. And, um, it's Charles Whelan's book, uh, Naked Economics, in the chapter on on, cap, on human capital. I see that as part of the calling, too, is how do I in, give people the tools so that they can invest themselves to grow so that they have something to offer the marketplace? Uh, so, so that's that's just, yeah, much, all of these ideas. How much does that come up as you're thinking about financial planning and people are looking at the, you know, the, the black and white economics, if you will, of, okay, I can generate this return or I have this much net worth and this is what my, you know, need is, my cash flow need is upon retirement. How much of your work really is around that human capital and helping people who might say, all right, I'm going to fall short of my retirement goals unless I make some, you know, investments professionally or in education, or I take some chances with what I'm doing. How do, how often does that come up for you? Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, we have a lot of clients and, and so I've just had a lot of stories. I've the one story of a client, she's just a little bit older than me, but she, um, she had a master's in a completely different field and she called and she was like, Hey, I want to go back to school for this. Cause I really don't feel like I'm maximizing my, um, my income with, even though I've got, you know, this, um, grad degree. And so she started to tell me about this other field and she said, it's a nine month program. And I, at first it sounded too good to be true, but she was fairly sharp and she knew what, what direction she wanted to go. But I, I felt, you know, honored that she was calling me to ask me about that. And then, um, you know, once we had kind of wrote it out and, you know, the risk that she was going to take for that reward, um, it actually turned out she had doubled her income in nine months by just having this other, um, you know, I'd see it as she had built up this other set of human capital in all these other ways. And so she was able to go for that nine months and add that, add that extra push, go into a completely different field that the marketplace needed. And, um, but I think we see that all the time. It's it's amazing how many um, choices that we make lead to uh, where we want to go. And in those choices, it's like there's a lot of emotional states and a lot of those background things that are going on in people's lives that affect 
what, what choices that they're going to actually make. And so when we're talking about those financial goals, whether it's the job that they have, it's a, it's amazing how many people will come in and, and you're not just pastor or financial planner, but your counselor, right? You are right. sitting there, whether it's a, a marriage issue, it's their kids are going through something, or it's just the wounds of the job, you know, the wounds yeah. of their own career, and they have nobody to process that with. And you, you're able to be there and, and try to, so I think of human capital in, in that sense of, uh, it's amazing how much counseling helps people, but it also, even though I'm not uh, a counselor or therapist, it's the connecting where they walk away and they really feel like, we, didn't, we went over their portfolio, we went over the timeline of what they were going to need to accumulate to achieve their goal or um, strategize on all that, but it, it ends up being more of the connection that they walk away inspired, uh, feeling like they were heard, feeling like they've got some type of other internal emotional roadmap to, to carry on. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's what, that's what sparks in my mind is. is, Well, it's uh, amazing to think about. And as you were talking, I had never really connected these dots in my mind about the, the catalyst for action from a financial plan. And that's, you know, that part of being heard, being validated, having this opportunity to kind of lay yourself on, you know, at someone's feet and, and, and just be vulnerable about it and then have the, the catalytic conversion to action Yeah, is, yeah. I mean, that's... There's triggers that, that a person walked into an environment, they didn't even realize that they were going to be transformed from that right. meeting. Um, and sometimes it's just the data. Sometimes it is just the, the planning relationship. And then over time, over years, as you learn their story, you learn about them, um, you earn the right to, to speak more things into their life um, if they allow you to, you know. Yeah. And so that, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a motion, it's in motion, right? It's, it's a dynamic. It's not something that's real static. And um, I think that's the idea of what I love about RFG and the Billings Group coming together because I feel like that was our heart and then we're seeing it displayed in, in the leadership team at RFG and just that that's why it works really well because we, there's a lot of good that happens in good relationships and good communication. And then that allows you to build those plans. And I see that with, you know, us as RFG's client, but at the same time, our, you know, our collective, our clients together. We call that being a force multiplier. So that's one of our, you know, that's one of our themes in war room huddle is, are you a force multiplier? Do we together have mm-hmm. the opportunity to affect change and have impact on a 5x yeah. level. And that's it, what we do as a team. It kind of fits with the compounding. It, <laughs> it really yeah, does. That's... Are you an advisor looking to make the move to independence? RFG Advisory is an innovator in the wealth management industry with a winning culture and a fully integrated tech platform designed to help advisors take their practice to the next level. Let us get to know you at rfgadvisory.com. I want to kind of stay on that track and talk about mindset. Like you're obviously a voracious reader, podcast consumer. Mindset is something that you've really um, spent a lot of time on. It's something that is a cornerstone of our culture and certainly of our Become a Warrior podcast series. What does mindset mean to you? Um, I, and of course, I've been 
texting Bobby a little bit and talking about this because every time I see the word mindset, I think I, I think of him. And uh, but it, what I think mindset connects to is um, it, obviously it's the foundational part of the way that you're going to approach the world. It's the what you've set these things that you've filled, you've instilled inside of you um, that become that that foundational piece of who you are so that you'll carry out the actions from that place. But it's um, the word that comes to mind is, is actually patterns. Um, there was a book and I'm just going to make a plug, but this book impacted me a lot. It's the power of habit by mm-hmm. Charles Duhigg. And he talks in there about um, just the, the patterns. Once you have something that you've done repeatedly, it goes further into that inner part of the brain that becomes automatic, you know, so, so that as a little kid, you're not having you're, you're, as a little kid, you're always trying to learn how to grab and hold your sippy cup. And, but if you had to do that your entire life, right. you know, that would be obnoxiously, <laughs> you know, redundant. And so we create these patterns and we try to sharpen them and we, we have a cue. We go through a routine to get a perceived reward. And it's in that, that process. It's all functioning from whatever you, the inputs that you had put in there. And so for me, the mindset is that foundational piece, but it's also the patterns um, that um, the repeated habits that that come out of uh, whatever you had been setting your mind on, and that determines you know which path you're going to go down. And so um, <clears throat> that's that's what was going through my mind when I was when I was thinking about what is mindset uh, recently when I was talking to Bobby. You know, it's interesting because what you know what what we always talk about is. The tricky thing with mindset is it is a garden you have to tend daily. Yeah. Like it is not something that you can set it and forget it. Like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, get 1% better mindset. I'm going to be ruthlessly positive, you know, whatever it is mm-hmm. that are kind of the touchstones of of how you approach it. It's not something that you can just blow off. Right. Like you really have to be intentional, intentional. Yeah. every single day mm-hmm. on what is my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to surround yourself with the right people because the cliches and the things that a lot of people repeat, whether it's from sitcoms or just, you know, their their close knit of friends or uh, those cliches can become the the loop inside your mind unless you are constantly trying to be aware of what is going into your mind um, and say, that's not necessary. That's that's going to be devastating down the road and, and just really trying to filter out what is good and what is bad. Um, and I think that that, is, that ties back to the growth thing. You know, it's like, how am I going to become better than where I am right now? I've got to start from where I'm at, but I got to grow. And so I'm going to have to find some people that some leaders, right? I'm going to have to find some people that have gone down the path a little bit ahead of me to, to show me that it's possible. And then I'm going to have to do the discipline thing of this is a daily thing. Um, as John Maxwell would say, this is today matters, right? Yep. You know, this is what I'm doing today matters. But mm-hmm. I, I like that garden analogy. I love that. Um, today matters. Look for that one to show up. Oh, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that you've talked about, I've heard you talk about, is this notion of like taking ownership over your life. How does that idea influence you as an advisor? Um goes back to right what we're talking about, which is this, um, 
either life is going to be happening to you or you are going to have to step into that. Um, it's maybe ask the question in a little bit different way, if you don't mind. So when you talk about like, you know, this, this podcast that you shared with Bobby and it's like this idea of like, take ownership over your life. Like what, you know, what called you to that? Like you've lived this journey, you've had Mm -hmm. this journey as a minister, you've been now with Lance for 12 years, you're about ready to be on this really exciting next chapter as part of a succession plan. That's just such yeah. a, you know, probably 12 years ago, you never thought you'd be where you are Absolutely today. Not. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like, that didn't happen by accident. I think it's, I think it's the idea again of these voices and the, and the things that you're putting in that are coming at you. And, and along the way, there's just been the books and the, people that you look up to and they say things in certain ways, their philosophies of life. It's like, oh, well, they do something that I don't do. I should probably try to do what they're doing. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I started this by telling you that I dropped out of high school and because um, I thought I was going to homeschool myself or something. I don't know what I, I mean. I, it's, it was You're 16, 16, right? You know, and um, it could have been a lot worse. But, and then when I decided that I was going to try to take ownership of my life, at least to the capacity that I understood at that point, um, well, I'm going to go to school, which I never thought, well, I'd go to college, right? I never thought, um, but I, I needed a job. So I, you have to take these humble positions because it's the only thing you have at that moment. So my first job was Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I met a guy in class and the first thing he said was like, you've got to go to work at Starbucks. He had just moved from Seattle. So I went to work at Starbucks and you in, do make a heck of a latte, the, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and so if come full circle, long story, I won't get in there, but that led me to spending seven months in uh, Alabama when I was uh, 20. And uh, so now we're sitting here in, in Alabama again, like 20 minutes away from that Starbucks that I helped open. Uh, but that Charles Schultz, the whole culture of Starbucks uh, back then was an infusion of trying to inspire you to take ownership of um, the role that you had. And it was a fun environment. It was, it was just a, a neat company. And, and so those, all of these little things along the way, these inputs uh, shaped that they were like small wins to say, you can do this, you can become better, you can, you can grow. And so I guess for me right now um, on that journey, just having finished the master's is um, working on the CFP for me mm-hmm. is, uh, so that's, the way that I feel like adding value to the human capital to continue to give back to the client by having this data. But that's only one component of it is that data piece. It's all of these other things we're talking about. And so ownership down the road just involves continuing to grow, show up every day, um, try to crush it. You know, um, there's a lot of days I joke with Nate that he's crushing it and I'm getting crushed by it. And, uh, <laughs> so we, we have, we, we joke about it a lot, uh, cause he's hyperly driven individual and he's great at what he does. And, and of course Lance is too. So I think that for me and what I'm trying to craft is, is to be humble, be a learner and then try to add value, whether it's to a client, whether it's in, uh, church, helping somebody try to understand the, the scriptures. Um, and it, it, it takes data, but it also takes the willingness to have compassion and mercy and grace and all of these other things that um, humans value. 
you know, those things are rare commodities sometimes in the world and people pick up on it real quick when you show them that you're going to be their friend, mm-hmm. you know, with no strings attached and, uh, taking ownership of that adds a lot of value to, uh, the type of business that we're in. And so that's, I don't know if that answers your you're, question. There's just a, so much I could just yeah, dump keep going. on you. And, you're and, a self-admitted um, dreamer. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So you talk a lot about like being a dreamer and how, so how do you. And gets t- me in trouble with my wife often. <laughs> yeah. Cause she is, she's a dreamer, but she's, she's organized and uh, yeah, she's awesome at having a plan more so. Um, she's introverted, but. But the, you know, yeah. the world and partnerships need both. Like you need, like we Nate make a heck and of a Lance team. Yep. are very, like they're tactical, strategic executors. Like you've got this a little bit of a dream. I think yeah. I put Nate on like tactical execution, oh, yeah. you on the dream front and Lance is kind of in yeah. the middle, like yeah. on, on both sides. So I've got a hilarious story. We were in the airport yesterday waiting. Um, uh, and of course we just woke up, we had drove to, um, Wichita, we got all checked in. We're waiting for the flight. And the only place open, because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, right? Even in the airport. And so, but Dunkin' Donuts was open. So we go there, we'll get our, grab a coffee. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'll grab a donut. So I order one donut. Well, Lance gets a couple thinking that Nate's going to eat one, uh-huh. right? And so we go and sit down and uh, I open the bag. I eat my donut. Well, there's another donut in there. Of course, Nate's not going to touch it, right? Because right. he's, no he's, on he's on this, you know, uh, cr- <laughs> no I'm, sugar, I'm, he's no crushing carbs. it. He's crushing it with his nutrition and his workouts. And Lance and I are over there. And of course, then there was a donut that was in there and it was the old fashioned donut. There's no glaze on it. And I'm thinking, Lance, why did you pick this one? He ate my donut, right? Uh-huh. So I'm going somewhere with this. I said... Um, I don't want this, but I don't want to throw it away. So I ate this extra donut, right? And Nate's just staring at me like, what is wrong with you? And he said, he said, you know, when we, when I get in the war room and Bobby asks me uh, about, you know, Nathan, how do you see your, the future and, and how do you focus? He goes, he, he said, he goes, I'm just going to tell him whatever Lance and Josh do, I do the opposite, you know? And uh, so um, it does take a dynamic team of different personalities um, because there's been times where I'm hyperly humbled by uh, Nate or Lance. Cause I think I've got this textbook thing I read over here and I'm like, this is how we should do this. And they come along and they say, look at it from another angle. And it has a way more probable success from that angle that I couldn't have ever seen without it. And I, I hope I do the same for them. Um, but it, it definitely, I'm humbled a lot by their, skill sets and just the different, the differences that make us a great team. And so, um, yeah, it takes, it takes all of us to bake the pie, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you guys are having a, you know, hugely, um, positive impact obviously, and have for a long time on the community in Salina that you're, you know, really growing. I love looking at that map. It's like Kansas, the four corners, like you're growing the practice. Yeah. You're, you know, now fully independent, We've had all this time talking about what the future holds. Last question for you. You're going to be a part of a succession plan. You know, this is still a rarity in our industry, despite the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there has been, I think advisors have realized there certainly has been a lot of activity in the M&A market that indicates, but we're still talking small numbers, like, I don't know, a couple hundred transactions a year in the M&A space uh, 14,000 RIAs, uh, average age of 64, 
only 15% have succession mm-hmm. plans. So even when we have a high degree of velocity in the M&A world, we really aren't tackling the succession plan. And yet here you are with all of these factors lining up and the fact that you are about ready to really be intentional in structuring that succession plan. As a future generation leader, what's important to you as you think about building the firm for the future? So, yeah, and now the, it, when you're talking about that, we've talked because of Nate being a son-in-law and me being a son-in-law, it's just been natural. Um, Nate had to come in uh, couple years after me and we've been talking about succession for a long time which again most advisors haven't had that opportunity um, to just because of the family dynamic I think is what was the catalyst for that but um, I just see the future working with of course with RFG and you and Bobby and Rick and and um, whole team the whole team everybody uh, that's just you guys are rock stars I feel like that is the missing piece that we needed to continue to help us with those different dynamics between our personalities and our skill sets to hone in on that as a team. I think that teamwork is probably the biggest communication and teamwork and then envisioning a future that, that has that kind of structure. Is, um, but I feel like we're going to be better, better prepared. And, and to quote John Maxwell one more time, he, he says uh, it when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare, you know? And of course you're going to have a lot of these advisors looking for somebody, but the problem is it takes time to build the trust in order to, um, it really honestly takes about five years. It takes about five years to build a thoughtful succession plan from like identifying talent, how to structure it, building the trusting relationship really at, I mean, Wow. I, I, At a minimum. And, and a lot changes in five years. I mean, especially in yeah. our industry, right? Yeah. So. Okay. So one more plug, cause you've brought him up. John Maxwell's okay. book is, uh, you know, I don't even know what book that came from. I think that it might just have been like a lecture or something. Yeah. I feel like he's, uh, he, to, to quote him about him, uh, he puts the cookies on the lower shelf. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like he puts things in a very articulate way that I can remember. And I mean, he's written, well, we might for our show notes have you yeah. go through and pull. I'll have to find some yeah. of your favorite either you know episodes or podcasts or books yeah. by him. Today Matters is the name of one of his books, and that quote might have actually came out of that one. Maybe that's why it All right. dislodged and went floating through my, we're, my we're mind. We're going to put that so. in the show notes. Great, Josh. Thank hey, you so much for, for being here. We loved everything. having you in War Room Huddle. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, its employees, or its clients. 
This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.